Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to be here. It is December 7th. I know it's Remembrance Pearl Harbor Day to all of those who fought for the U.S. and so many lives were lost. We send out our remembrances as well as to all of the service people working and serving around the world. Thank you for what you do. Now, this is Read My Lips, cool conversations with creatives, and I've got a show for you. I've got one of my favorite guests. She's a real artist. I mean, eight foot by eight foot canvases. She is followed all over the world as Lucy Marlowe. She's back. I'm so glad she's brought a good friend of hers, Matt Hudon, and he and his family own an art gallery in Edmonton, Canada. We're going to find out all about them. So the title of this episode is, let me find it in my notes here, The Artist's Creativity DNA up close and personal. So we're going to talk to Lucy about her idea of creative DNA. I already spoke to her so many times, but we'll refresh that. And Matt Hudon will find out what he sees in terms of creativity in the artists he and his family invite to be displayed, to be shown in their very highly esteemed gallery. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Radio Red. So happy to be here. And a shout out to Josh Randell, our engineer. Lucy and Matt, say thank you, Josh, in advance. So he does a really good job. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. There you go. Josh, you, you've got the love up in front of the top of the show instead of in the back. It is December 7th. We are live here. It's just a little after 7 p.m. Eastern in the U.S., Busy week. Everybody's starting to get ready for the holidays. It'll be a different kind of holiday season because of COVID. So many lockdowns, so many sad stories, but we're going to try and cheer you up with some ideas of creativity here. First, I'm going to have my guests help me do a shout out for LLL, Lovely Lanky Laura Legs, our most Laura listener, Matt and Lucy. Let's hear it for Lovely Lanky Laura Legs. Laura, there we go. Yay, Laura. I know she's at some religious celebration tonight, but she will hear us. Now, let me tell you where we are in the year, because I always do this. This is the 341st day of the Gregorian calendar, but it's a leap year. So it's the 342nd day. Matt, I know you were just waiting to hear that from me. Mm -hmm. I know I know you listened to the show and you said, what's what is Radio Red going to say today? Now, here's the most important part. There are 24 days left to the end of 2020, and I can hear everybody saying, yay, it can't go fast <laughs> enough. Now, if you haven't ordered or cooked or reserved or bought or taken home or made something special to drink on New Year's Eve, it's getting late. Matt, do you have something already reserved for New Year's Eve for you and your family? You know, it's going to be probably a quiet New Year's Eve. Do you have a drink, a favorite drink? A martini and a ah, fireplace. There you go. I like the martini. Lucy, you have anything planned for woo drinking? I'm already chilling a special bottle of champagne. <laughs> there you go. That's my kind of person. And by the way, it's the 49th Monday in 2020. Can't wait till we have no more of those. Uh, let's get my guests to introduce themselves just a little bit, and then we'll do the famous birthdays. I just have four famous birthdays. Of course, there are about 5,000 famous birthdays today, but I only recognize four names, Matt, so we're not going to go through 1,000 or 2,000, just four, and you'll probably know a couple of them. I think Lucy will, too. And then I have a bunch of national holidays, December 7th through the 15th, and here's some really crazy ones this time. But 
Lucy, Marlo, I'm not even going to read your bio. I've done it so many times. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, how you started drawing as a child and winning contests so young, and you were so famous before you even probably knew how to spell everything. <laughs> Lucy, go ahead, spend a couple of minutes, reintroduce yourself to my audience, and then Matt, we will give you the honor and the pleasure of introducing yourself. Lucy, I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead. Uh, I myself am a daughter of an established artist, so it's an interesting topic today. And uh, I did not follow my passion right off the hop. And to make a long story short, it is incredible to actually be living my dream. So I'm afraid to pinch myself every time I say that I paint for a living. Maybe that's the best way I can describe my work. Lucy, what do you paint? I mentioned how big some of your canvases are. Come on, tell us. What, what genre with an S on the end of it? What's your favorite? And, and how did you get to be so well known around the world? Give me a little more. Uh, I basically paint uh, abstract. Uh, I hesitate to say that because my work is different. Uh, I used to paint realism many years ago. And then when I had my, my clinic, I was so busy that I stayed away for, for 11 years because doing a little bit just hurt too much. Uh, passion is a passion. So I came back with a vengeance and the style that I have now uh, just came pouring out and uh, I just painted what was in my soul and it was a wonderful coincidence that the style was very distinctive which started uh, drawing collectors very early on in my career and I'm extremely thankful for that because all I ever do is just paint what's within. Thank you Lucy and I'm, I remember that you said in your clinic you had wellness clinics throughout Canada right you were one of yes. the first one of the first uh, creators and owners and managers of multidisciplinary wellness can you just fill in a couple of gaps there for my listeners so they know a little bit about that please uh, my mom was a visionary. She had a concept of having doctors who were holistic and uh, traditional doctors under the same roof, which was very much how things were in Europe, where we were from. And we were very grateful Canadians and really had a passionate uh, concept of bringing us to Canada. And I was just really happy to be the wind beneath her wings and just help her in any way that I could. So it was an incredible journey that lasted 12 years for me. Very interesting. Thank you very much, Lucy. Pleasure to have you back. Always fun to have you you back. We met a a couple of years ago and you've been one of, and you are one of my inspirations because I started painting, oh, about two years ago and with a vengeance to coin your phrase, to borrow your phrase after COVID (laughs) started. And I've painted about 85 pieces this year. And I am running out of wall space. And Lucy, I want you to know, I've graduated from 12 by 16s to 20 16 by 20s to 20 by 24s and I actually bought a 30 by 40 canvas recently and I don't even know where I'm going to put it to paint it but I am getting bigger and bigger in my canvases and I'm my style is evolving and we'll talk about that later okay so you're one of my inspirations Lucy Marlowe thank you Bonnie congratulations that's awesome thank you that's a lot of fun I need a bigger house and it's already too big for me what (laughs) can I tell you Matt Hudon so happy to meet you Lucy thank you for introducing us to Matt Matt I'm going to put you on speaker view. I don't know much about you other than the gallery and that you had your tech, you're a technical guy and you have a degree in tech and what one thing has to do with another. Why don't you tell us your story? Matt, you're up. Fantastic. Thank you for having me, Red. Well, uh, yes, my name is Matthew Hudon. I'm the general manager of the West End Gallery. We have a gallery in Edmonton, Alberta and Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, I'm a husband. I've got two boys, Owen and Alexander, who keep me very busy during these times. Um, but my day-to-day is, is managing these fantastic 
individuals like Lucy and uh, the 65 other painters and glass blowers that we have. So my background was originally in technology, but I've always been around the business of, of, of um, the art gallery. My parents uh, started the business in 1975 in Edmonton. Um, so it's a very unique job. Usually when I introduce myself to people at parties, they, they say, well, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm an art dealer. And I usually get a lot of wide eyes and go, oh, what's that about? And um, so it's, it's never a dull moment here when I try to explain to people what, what we do. But uh, when it comes down to it, we're, we're here to work for our artists. And, and that's when always our main goals um, is uh, the artists don't work for us. We try to work for them. They're hiring us to promote their work. And one of my focuses was early on was applying technology uh, into a very traditional uh, medium uh, of kind of selling art, which is usually in store, coming into a gallery, viewing artwork in person, and having you know personal experiences. And as you can see, I don't know if it's in, mm-hmm. in the back here for uh, people who are watching. There's a piece of Lucy's behind me. Beautiful. And uh, it's very much like an introspective journey when you when you view her work. So it's really important for me uh, during these really difficult times. To, um, to implement the experience online, either through social media, through our website uh, that gets a lot of traffic. Um, and how we're doing that is just trying to make it easier to see more of the, the paintings and glasswork and art and um, sculptures that we represent. Thank you, Matt. Absolutely fascinating. I don't think I've had an art dealer, uh, an art gallery person on the show yet, so I'm very intrigued with what you do. Let me ask you, you just dropped this word on us, Matt. Mm-hmm. Glass blower. Come yes. on. I remember touring, going to Italy in my late teens, which was a long time ago, and visiting the Murano glassworks and yes. seeing the glass blowers and how gorgeous they are. I bought a little decanter and some little wine glasses, and they're still here with me all these years later. How do you how do you find the glass blowers? Is this an active craft in Canada, or where are they? I I want to know more. I'm fascinated. Go yeah, ahead, well, we've um, we've had a long history with Canadian uh, glass uh, for years in our gallery in Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, we had what was called the Canadian Art Glass Exhibition. So we would have oh at the times of kind of 2000 and on probably 100 to 200 glass participating glass blowers who would send their work up uh, from all over the country and we would display it. Um, uh, so I, I've got one piece I can show you in my yes. office here. Yes, please. Uh, she's from Gabriola Island and um, her name is Tammy Hudgen. And so she does fused glass. I don't know if you can see that. Oh my. So all of oh this is... My kind of re-kilned formed glass. So Mad. all these little bits are broken pieces of glass that she's created. And then she puts them in a mold. I don't know if you can see, it's so hard to see. Um, and then recasts it into a plate. And then she's done a 24 karat gold around it. Um, Matt, I'm blown away. I've I've never seen a piece like that up close. Thank you so much. You have anything yeah, else you so, want to show us? Well, there's another place you just said, Murano. Uh, this yes. is a, uh, an artist, his name is Paul Rodrigue. And he's from Toronto. But he uses a traditional style of encalmo, which is essentially uh, molding kind of cups together of color. So each one of these twists um, in the glass is a separate, you could say, a bowl, uh, and then put together and and shaped. And some of these take two or three men to kind of uh, 
muscle them around. Can you go back to the first piece, the plate first? I just want to take a quick screenshot of that so I can send that to you. And oh, there it is. Thank you. Oh, how beautiful. So that's Tammy Hudgens. She's from the island of Gabriola off of Vancouver Island. And then she also does some really cool things. I won't try to bogart the mark here, but this is one of her trees that she does. Oh, my. Kind of like a Christmas tree. Lovely. She's got, it's all kind of cast um, wrought iron that her partner does. And then she does the glass. So it's, it's really fantastic. So we've been marketing these Canadian artists for many years. And there's a, there is a huge market for it, especially into the United States. So we've had a long history of selling Canadian art into the United States. I'm impressed. I'm going to tell our listeners, if you're listening on the Empowerment Channel on Voice America right now, you know you can't see the show, but I am recording it on Zoom, and I'm going to make the video available to Matt and to Lucy. And Matt, you're welcome to post it on your website, take clips if you want, and use it uh, in in all of its glory, any or all amount of the whole video, and we can give a place before we finish the show of Mm -hmm. where people can see it. I'd be very honored if you would post the video. I should have live streamed the show tonight, but I didn't. Next time I have you two back, we'll live stream on Facebook, (laughs) okay? And that way people will be able to see. Just delightful. So if you're listening and you're hearing, Matt is graciously giving us a tour of the West End Gallery and some of the beautiful art there, including one of Lucy's pieces. I'm so impressed by both of you. The idea, Matt, you have creativity because you have to figure who would be and appealing to your buyers, to your viewers, to who fits the the mantra or the persona is a better word of the gallery. And Lucy, you're painting from your soul, from your heart, from what you feel. And your pieces are so, I, I know you've inspired me, Lucy, in so many ways. I've only seen a little snippet of some of your paintings, but I'm finding my way. I'm finding my, my challenges of who I want to be as a painter. I call myself a dabbler. Matt, I'm, I'm not an artist like Lucy, but I've done a lot of work and they're hanging my office, my living room, my bedroom, my hallways, my garage is an art gallery now. And it's just, it's like going into a different part of who you are when you paint. You sit down and, and things just come to you. Lucy knows what I'm talking about. Well, I tell you what, we're getting so serious here. I'm, I'm obviously so thrilled to have both of you on. This is, this is great. We're going to talk a little bit about the artist's DNA, about the concept of creativity in a minute. Before we, we, Well, you know what? I want to do that now, and then we'll go to the famous birthdays and the national holidays, which is going to be a lot of fun. Matt, creativity, you meet people, obviously, who are so creative. Mm-hmm. Can it be taught? Is it something they're born with? Do they all, like Lucy Marlowe, have to start when they're eight years old drawing and winning contests? Did some of them start in their 30s, 40s, 50s? Where does creativity come from, the kind that you deal with, Matt? That's an awesome question. I think it's a wide range. There are, you know, my niece who um, has always been interested in art. She, you know, she always doodles and is very creative and she paints and she's always done that at a young age. So it could be both ways. Um, sometimes the way as a, as a business person and as someone who manages a number of artists, I see creativity a little bit differently. Um, I see it as sort of a, a way of problem solving. So when an artist, mm-hmm. an artist has a blank canvas, they've got a, they've got a problem. They've got an art dealer or someone who either wants a commission or a collection of work and they have to fill that canvas. And if there's a deadline, they've got a problem and they've got to solve that problem. So creativity um, could also be interpreted on applying the paint to the canvas and, and when knowing when you're finished. That's, 
that's another topic that I get a lot of is uh, when I'm dealing with clients on a kind of first-hand basis, so they, they look at a painting and say, well, how would this artist know when they're done? When do they mm -hmm. know they're finished? And that's a very common question. And one of uh, a good friend of mine and who had recently passed, uh, Bill Webb, his, his response to that is, when I've solved the problem, the painting is finished. Isn't that interesting? And I've been asking that question of artists who were on my TV show many years ago in New York, Matt. I had a woman who was a sculptor, and she said she would just basically hole up in her basement for days at a time, hours at a time. And I said, how do you know? So, well, I'd, I'd apply whatever it was, the clay, plaster, whatever. And then I'd take some away and I'd put it back. I said, how did you know when you were done? She said, you know. You know, and I find with my paintings, Lucy, I have a, a freestanding easel in my living room right near the grand, baby grand piano. And when I think I'm done, I'll put it on the easel and I'll walk by it for a day or two. I'll just walk by it and I'll say, what does it say to me? Did I finish it? Did I not finish it? What am I thinking? And sometimes I'll just put it back near my, my easel where I paint is on, on this great big kitchen, great big quartz counter with overhead lights and a sink behind me. So I it's like studio. And... I know it, it's asking me for something else or I'm telling it, Matt, I need something else. I'm big into little bits of glitter on my paintings or little bits of cut out gold paper from the inside of chocolate chip cookie packages or, or uh, good chocolate. They line it with gold foil. Sometimes I cut out little shapes and I paste it with clear glue on just as accents or the inside of a, of a bottle cap that has a little bit of gold on it. And Sometimes I say, no, no glitter, no glitter, red. No, you're not going to. And then I just know it wants some sparkle. That's that's my style these days. I'll take a, a brush now. I'll dip it into a little bottle of, of red glitter glue, and I'll just paint it with a very thin brush just to accent or outline something. And then I know when I'm done, I'm done. So, Matt, thank you for that answer. And it is a challenge for artists to know. Lucy, let's get your take. You have been painting since you were very, very young. And we obviously know that by now many times. Lucy, creativity, your type, where did it come from? Do you think you were born with it? Was it something somebody said when you were in early school days? Where does it come from? And can it be taught? Lucy, talk, please. I believe with all my heart that I was born an artist. And the reason for that is my mom still laughs when she tells me the story. Uh, we had, uh, she had four kids all together and I would be quiet for hours and that would concern her as a parent. Wait a minute, that can't be good. And she would always find me drawing. And one time I actually got in trouble because uh, I was looking at mom's friend and I drew breasts when I was about four. And they asked me, <laughs> why would I do that? And I said, I am so sorry, I just drew what I was seeing. So in my case, I would have to say it was something I was born with. However, nurturing environments that encourage things in children definitely can lead to discovering, you know, interests and passions. So like Matt, I actually think it can be both. Thank you. I will tell you both. I had an art teacher, <laughs> I think in seventh grade named Bertha Stark. And she was a very large, just say she was a very large lady who wasn't that artistic to look at. I'm sure a famous artist could have done quite an interesting portrait of her in any, in any shape or form. But Bertha Stark was trying to teach us to draw people. And I don't remember her instructing us, Lucy, in any way of the human form. So she'd say, OK, paint a person doing something. And we'd do what we did. And then she'd say, you all put your people in pajamas. We can't see where their arms are and their legs are. Because we didn't know. We just put 
put things around these limbs. You know, there's an arm, I'll put a, a shirt over it. There are legs, I'll put the pants under the dress. And she was always complaining, You're all you're painting is, well, we didn't know how to make structure. We didn't have that. It was a seventh grade art class. Nobody knew. So I'll never forget, they had some kind of a contest in school and you had to paint something abstract. And I took my real name starts with B. We'll leave it at that. It's not red. And I took the letter B and painted it on its side. And I took a look at it very large on this canvas or whatever we were painting on paper. And it looked like a pair of glasses. So I put some eyes into it and I attached a little body to it. And I think I won third place in the school art contest that year. I called it Mr. Eyes or Mr. It was way before Mr. Googly. Mr. Something or other, I called it. And they liked it. But that was, no, that wasn't anything important in my art career. I just like to paint. Let's go through a couple of interesting birthdays here. Have you both heard of Ellen Burstyn? Very well-known actress, lots of movies. Matt, you might be a little young, Lucy. I don't know if you've seen her movies. Uh, you can look her up, B-U-R-S-T-Y, an American actress. She's one of the few actors to win an Oscar, a Tony, and an Emmy. That's apparently quite an achievement. So Ellen Burstyn, just say happy birthday, Ellen. Come on, Lucy and Matt. Happy, happy birth birthday, Ellen. Ellen, there you happy go. Happy birthday. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Harry Chapin, the singer. Harry Chapin, Cat's Cradle, the cat's in the cradle and the da-da-dum, da-da-da-da-da. Yes, Harry Chapin passed away in 1981, way too soon. He was an American singer, songwriter, and guitarist. He's a Grammy Award winner and Grammy Hall of Fame inductee. He, he has sold more than 16 million records worldwide and described as one of the most beloved performers in music history. And I believe he started some kind of a food bank way if he died in 81. You can imagine how long ago. I think he was killed in a car crash on the Long Island Expressway near where I lived in that part of Long Island. Harry Chapin, very beloved. Larry Bird. Come on, Matt. You got to know one of these. Larry Bird is American. Bad. There you go. Now you can say happy birthday, Larry Bird. Go ahead, Matt. There you go. Larry, Larry. Okay. And Sarah Bareilles, and the French pronunciation would be Barret. Sarah Barret, American singer, songwriter, pianist, and actress. She composed music and wrote the lyrics for the 2015 Broadway musical Waitress. I saw that on Broadway with a famous TV actress in the lead role, and it was delightful. She has sold, I I don't know if people know, she sold more than a million albums more than 9 million singles, and VH1 put her at number 80 on the top 100 greatest women in music. Those are the only... Have you ever heard of Sarah Bareilles? Matt? Lucy? No, not personally, no. I, here, here's what you do. I get I get American famous people and my Canadian guests have never heard of them. Okay, <laughs> my bad. I should have I looked for the Canadian people. Now, here we go. Let's do some holidays. December 7th, I mentioned, is Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. It's also Cotton Candy Day. Matt, did you have Cotton Candy Day today, Matt? Matt? You know, I missed out on that. No. <laughs> Lucy, Why cotton candy. Happy about that. <laughs> I have a background in nutrition. It's been a really long time. <laughs> How about letter writing day? And they're saying that we have to get back to writing letters and thank you notes and greeting cards. They say send a hard copy. Lucy, you could design cards. I'm sure you don't have time for that. But do something. Send it by postal mail, by the real mail. What do you think, Matt? Do you think we're coming back into the era of handwritten and hand-signed cards? Oh, of course. My wife has always been fantastic about writing thank you cards and that's sort of rubbed off on me as well it's just a nice simple touch and for holidays too this year christmas hanukkah kwanzaa denali whatever it is send a card right send a card save a male 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 person male woman i don't know okay december 8th tomorrow is national brownie day but if that doesn't grab you i have one better for you matt it's national bartender day 
And if that doesn't get you, it's pretend to be a time traveler day. Matt, what's your pick? Brownies, bartending, or time traveler? Where are you, What are you going to celebrate tomorrow? Well, probably bartender day. Okay. Lucy, <laughs> Lucy what are you going to be, a time traveler, a bartender, or have a brownie? Uh, a tr- time traveler sounds exciting to me. I'd like to play with that. Okay, well, how about if you haven't had enough celebration on the 8th, on the 9th, you could celebrate National Pastry Day or National Llama Day. They didn't say give a pastry to a llama. What do you think, Matt? Should, should we go It'll there? be an interesting video to watch, yeah. <laughs> llama eating a pastry. And Lucy can do the nutrition work up on that one. On the 10th, it's Lager Day. Well, we're back in the bar again. It happens to be the first night of Hanukkah on the 10th. That's my holiday. And it's also National Dewey Decimal System Day. Do you remember? Did you have the Dewey Decimal System in your libraries? Do you know, Matt or Lucy? Oh, years that, ago. Years yeah. ago. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know what digital, well, we all know Kindle and all that. I don't know how they number those. Okay. Then the 11th is National Christmas Jumper Day. I had a black velveteen jumper my mother sewed one for me and one for my sister and I remember it finally but it wasn't for Christmas because we didn't celebrate that but I think we wore it to school during the holidays uh the 12th is national gingerbread house day somebody brought me a gingerbread house kit a little tiny one I'm going to make it tomorrow it's national help me out with this dingling day on the 12th do you know what a dingling I'm afraid to ask and it's national poinsettia day let's just leave that one alone the 13th is national ice cream day national horse day National Salesperson Day, National Violin Day. And if that isn't enough, you can do all of that because it's Taylor Swift's birthday. Matt, what are you going to do to celebrate Taylor Swift's birthday? Seriously, tell me. Oh, listen to the new album, of course. There you go. Lucy, which one do you care about? Violin, Salesperson, Horace Ice Cream, or Taylor Swift? Where's your heart? I think it's been a long time since I've had some ice cream. I might go for that. <laughs> there you go. I'll have a little tonight in your honor. The 14th is National Bouillabaisse Day. Mm. Interesting. National Monkey Day. We could say feed bouillabaisse to a monkey. And it's free shipping day. And that's probably the real deal. And one more before I bore you two to tears. December 15th is National Cat Herders Day. You've heard the expression, I got to go herd the cats. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not real cats anymore. It's National Tea Day. Lucy, it's National Cupcake Day. You can have tea and wash down the cupcakes. And it's National Wear Your Pearls Day. Oh, Lucy, do you own pearls? I do. I am an old-fashioned girl, and I, I, I love them, and I love a nice cup of tea. So this sounds good to me. Right. And somebody else, Matt can have the cupcake and herd the cats and you can wear the pearls and have the tea. I think you two are going to get together for that. Thank you both for that very much. Let's talk a little bit more. Let's get into some specifics, Lucy. Um, you want to talk about your book, Lucy, or you just want to talk about art today? Because you're multi, multi-talented, multi-creative. What would you like? What would you like? Uh, I will love to mention my book because it was a labor that was very close to my heart. And Please I walked around... Thank you. Uh, the book I released recently is called Life is Now, Claim Your Joy and Live It. And it's basically true stories from my clinic days. I had the privilege of starting to work at a clinic very young and see some incredible things that you normally don't at that age. And I really got to see people handle life in such difficult situations with such grace and they were so brave and then I saw other people who had minor injuries and they would be crushed by the experience so it got me on the journey of studying what makes the difference 
And I walked around with incredible stories uh, that inspired me to be an annoyingly happy person because I had, <laughs> I had contrast. I could see what, what people can survive and thrive. And it made my problems look small in comparison, which was an incredible gift at an early age. And I say it was hard to be a melodramatic teenager in that kind of contrast. And uh, so I wrote the book. I used to use these stories to teach my stepkids or my nephew when they were going through a hard time. And with everything going on this year, I felt compelled to put them down in hopes of making people smile because that's the effect they had on the people who would hear them. And the proceeds are going, part of the proceeds are going to an orphanage in former Yugoslavia, Montenegro, where my late father was from. Uh, he passed away on Christmas Day five years ago. And my hope is, uh, God willing, uh, to make Christmas better for these kids every Christmas. And I'll give it my best shot. So very close to my heart. Very impressive, Lucy. I, I want to say congratulations or bravo, but that that's just paying lip service to it. I just say I'm proud to know you because of how good your heart is and what you're doing with the book. Matthew, Matt, that's uh, impressive. Can we say that? Oh, very. Very, very. Yes. Matt, I want to know a little bit about your tech background. I know you mentioned in your bio, you sent me that you were grew up in the tech era and you wanted to apply that to the gallery, to the legacy of what your parents started and you're now managing West End Gallery. So let's talk a little bit about tech. And, and I know, and Lucy knows, and you know that Art is becoming embracing technology today. I know I was starting a couple of years ago drawing abstracts on my iPad with either a stylus or with my finger in the, uh, I think it was the sketchbook app, Lucy. And I had a guest on my TV show in New York who would do great big, large size, um, shall we say vases or fruit and flowers or portraits of people. And she would do them on her iPad in, I think brushes was what she used. And she used the brushes app and she would create it. And then she would send it to a printing company and have them print out what she had created in, we're talking stand-up size, maybe three foot by four foot, four foot by five foot hanging quality over a mantle or on a living room wall. And that's how I got introduced to digital art. So Matt, are you seeing, first of all, let's talk about your tech background. I'm a techie. I'm an early woman in tech. I'm a computer nerd from way back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I want a little bit about your tech background, what drew you to tech and what you're seeing in terms of tech art. So go ahead, Matt. Oh, thank you. Uh, my tech background really started with, um, with my father uh, at the gallery here. Uh, he was always, he was the type of dad that would always get, you know, uh, if it was the cassette tape, he would move on to the record player, get the first record player, the first CD, you know, player comes out. So he was always the one, he may, maybe not, didn't, didn't understand the, um, the power of these te technological devices. Um, but, you know, we would originally have typewriters. And then he brings in a computer, like an Apple IIc, and it progresses. And then as a young man, I'm, I'm seeing this effect on the business as how we're going away from, you know, pen and paper to start doing more digital communication between our artists and our clients. Mm -hmm. um, one of the stories I always say is I think we're probably one of the first uh, people to do uh, Instagram. Um, again, my dad was obsessed with cameras because that's how we communicated to our clients around Canada. You know, he would have a Polaroid camera. Mm -hmm. Take a Polaroid. He's got a client in Quebec. He would photocopy that Polaroid, photocopy the ad, and then stick that in the fax machine. 
mm-hmm. it would be black and white and hardly could make anything out. But he would send that off to a client in uh, Quebec or Toronto or wherever, and it w- it'd sell a painting that way. So he'd have a, a little kind of an Instagram of a painting that would, do, would go across the country. And that's kind of where it started. Uh, I got more interested in the programming part of it later on in my life. Um, that uh, aspect of it, I found a little bit too isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay doing, doing that kind of work, but I really yearned for um, talking to people. I'm not much for a kind of a cubicle job. Mm-hmm. So I found that aspect of the technology industry a little bit too rough. So I talked to my parents and said, you know, I've got some skills and I think we can bring the, the gallery into kind of the, the 20th, 21st century. And so I applied the techniques I knew. And then what's going on now with social media, um, being current with how people are using technology. Um, I also have artists who use uh, iPads to mm-hmm. uh, doodle and draw and, and, and get their uh, mind's eye out onto of canvas now it's digitally um, but for us as a business the communication factor of technology is huge people want it now the uh, the attention span of people is mm-hmm. going smaller and smaller so you really only have seconds almost to uh, to make your pitch and especially now in this era of um, lockdowns and not seeing the amount of visitors into our beautiful gallery you know, I've only got our, our website and our front window to really uh, engage people if, uh, with our artists and our artwork. Very well put. I think I researched it recently for one of my shows, and I think we're down to eight seconds. I know oh, I, I, I had an author who wrote a book on the attention span of a, of a squirrel. People say goldfish. I think that's about 20 seconds. I think it's now down to squirrel, which is eight seconds. You're absolutely right. Interesting. So do you accept art in your gallery, Matt, that is digitally created or, or do you, how, how does that work? No, uh, our mandate uh, has always been Canadian art and original mm-hmm. works. Uh, some, some printmakers, of course, um, uh, but nothing as far as specifically digital. The artists that use that medium are, are really just getting their ideas out like they would on a, on a piece of paper. Um, but yeah, the, the work that we represent is oil on canvas, acrylic on canvas, mixed media, and of course our, our blown glass. Thank you very much. Appreciate that clarification. Lucy, what are your thoughts about digital, digital art, about creating something like my friend did in New York, where she she would draw on the iPad and, and come out with something that was basically finished quality that somebody would then print on a massive size canvas for her in high resolution. What is your thought on that? Do you use any digital art forms, Lucy? I know you love big canvases. Talk to me. Uh- I'll be honest, I do not. I do things very old-fashioned ways, and I think I paint with the world's smallest brushes. But uh, I've always done things like this, and I guess it was observing my father paint, so that is my preference. Although I do think that it's going to grow more and more in the future, and any type of creativity is really fun. So I would, it would be a fun way to, I guess, put ideas down for me in the future so I can actually paint them by hand. So that's how I see myself working on it because sometimes the ideas come so fast it would be nice to register them thank you very interesting take thank you appreciate that let's talk about environment lucy you told me in your notes you have two studios one in arizona and one in canada and you mentioned that the one in arizona has a beautiful view of the desert and great light 
And we'll, we'll talk about that with you in a second, Matt, in, in terms of what you know about your artists uh, and their environments. But Lucy, do you think that the environment inspires you? Did you inspire the environment of your studios? Did you build them or select them based on, I need that type of sunlight. I need that type of daylight. I need that type of view from my window in my studio. So what came first, <laughs> the chicken or the egg, the artist or the studio? I've never asked this question of anybody, but it seems to me, uh, it, I would like to know. Lucy, what do you think? I guess it didn't hurt the potential of the house when I saw the possible studio. It used to be a gym until I got a hand of it, a hold of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so for me as an artist, what matters, I, I feel just blessed to have two creative spaces. And it, daylight for me is essential, uh, proper daylight, because otherwise I look at it a few days later and I thought, oh my goodness, here we start over again. So proper daylight is necessary and a spectacular view just makes my heart sink because I'm passionately in love with nature. And I do feel that the environment plays a role, although it did not consciously. When I started coming to a desert uh, half the year of my life, which I absolutely love, I'm in love with uh, this Northern Desert and the contrast of British Columbia, which is very green and lush and wonderful in its own way. Uh, the colors of my palette started to change and I was not aware of that. I started doing more browns mm -hmm. and oranges like the sunset and I just loved the fact uh, once I became aware of that, that the environment did influence my work and I was hoping that it was challenging me as an artist and I always want to grow for however many years I'm lucky enough to paint. Interesting that the environment changed your color palette. Very, very. So I was right. Environment. Yeah. In nature versus nurture environment. We're talking still on the topic of the creativity DNA. Matt, you don't. Do you talk to your artists about where they paint? Where are their studios? What are their views? Any insights you can share from other artists you're representing, Matt? Oh, yes. Um, that's a great topic. Uh, a lot of some of our artists are plain air painters. So they will their studio is is the is outside. So they are painting directly what they are, are viewing. So one of our artists, Guy Roy, or Guy Roy for, for non-Quebec speakers, uh, he goes to um, the St. Lawrence uh, and paints from late summer into uh, early winter when you, there's so much snow you can't almost get out of there. And he, the light and the environment that's in there, you, know, he's, you can see it in his body of work. He'll paint uh, 30 paintings. And you know, he'll start with the summer season. And as the time goes on, you know, he's, the, the fall leaves are coming in, the, the, the wonderful colors that you get out in the east that we don't, we don't get a lot of here. Um, you know, it's very impactful and the, and the light and the type of um, the time of day when they go out to go uh, to paint. Um, and other artists that uh, have done work like that do uh, studies outside and then would bring it into their studio mm -hmm. so they they can capture that light quickly while they're outside in the environment and bring it back into their studio and produce larger works or you know something that still has that uh, feeling that you're right there looking at that uh, mountain vista or that lake and it's something that can be uh, created in the studio Absolutely. Fat. I'm glad I asked the question. It just dawned on me while I was talking to both of you. Interesting. Lucy, I've just, I got a gift certificate from my children for a recent birthday and they were, one was just to a, a very well-known U.S. art store. 
and it was online only. And of course, they were having that day a 70% off sale. Of course, I found out later they have a 70% off sale every three days, every week. (laughs) So I stayed up till two in the morning ordering and I used up the exact amount of the gift certificate, but the tax came to about $5.04 more. So I put that on my credit card. Well, I decided I wanted new paint sets, new sets. And I use mostly watercolors and I'm starting to use acrylics. So I ordered what looked good on their catalog. And I'm finding that the new sets of colors I have, one is from a company in Hong Kong, Marie's Watercolors. And the quality is better than what I have been using. And the colors on one side of the tube that it's in Chinese And the other side, it's written in English. So I see the color and then I see the Chinese. Anyway, the point is that the quality is they're so much richer than what I was using that the colors have inspired me to do different things. I look at the colors and I say, what do, how do I want to use that purple? How do I want to use that teal? What does that crimson say to me? What does their version of orange or yellow gold do for me? Oh, I have to decline. Somebody forgot that I was on a radio show till eight o'clock. Sorry about that. Uh, Yes. So anyway, so the point is that uh, I'm finding that my colors inspire me. Lucy, what kinds of, what do you use? And I know I want you to talk about the eight by eight. Okay. About the eight by eight uh, quality painting you're doing eight foot by eight foot. You told me it's the biggest one because you can't get anything bigger in your house. Can you tell me about that one in your studio? Uh, we were talking about uh, the largest painting I've ever painted, and that was the largest one I ever painted because the commission asked for a bigger piece, but I shortly after that discovered I was living in a condo with my husband at the time that nothing bigger than that can leave my building. <laughs> so in the beginning, eight by eight, which was very physically challenging, and to find balance in a painting of that size was challenging and I absolutely loved it. I love doing commission work. I find that it it makes me step out of my comfort zone. I always take the time to get to know the client and the best part is that in some way they become part of the painting that I would never create without them. So it is challenging when somebody trusts you, you wanna give it 120% and I just absolutely love doing pieces like that. So very challenging, very fun. And most importantly, he was happy. So that was awesome. Lucy, do you map out that whole, that's vast. That's like going into the, the vast unknown. Do you map out the whole thing in advance? Do you, do you, or do you just tackle a little piece at a time? What's your approach? I'm kind of an unusual artist that way. I just tackle and uh, I, I paint what I feel I need to paint. And I do step back often, look at it, study it and make sure that it is balanced. That the colors that I'm using are ones that I'm finding appealing. I try to also understand who the client is and bring some of their personality into painting because that's what makes it fun and unique. So the whole process, creative process for me is just one I enjoy. And the the more challenging in a lot of ways, the better. And I like to step out of the comfort zone of what I would just do daily. So it's a lot of fun. So uh, I I just paint straight on canvas. I rarely have pre-made drawings on rare occasion Mm -hmm. and they always end up like something else because I create as I go along. That is the one place in my life where I want no restrictions and that's my creativity. Interesting. I'll I'll share with both of you. Uh, Many of my guests on the show over the years have been authors. And before I renamed it, it's always been Read My Lips Radio for many years, but I renamed it Cool Conversations with Creatives and and changed the focus. But I understand there's a British term, Matt, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Somebody, an an author told me that there are pantsers and plotters. 
Can you think of what the difference would be? Pantsers and plotters. Matt, any idea? <laughs> well, Lucy? I don't know. What do you think, Lucy? Lucy, any thoughts on a pantser versus a plotter? I think I'm afraid to take a guess while I let you tell me. <laughs> I'll tell you. A pantser is a person who writes by the seat of their pants. A uh -huh. plotter, and I'm seeing the relationship with painting here, a plotter is somebody who will spell out maybe the chapter headings in their book. It, it, we're applying mostly to thrillers or to fantasy books. Uh, they will say, okay, here's the beginning scene and the ending scene, and these are the steps I will take to get from point A to point B. So they plot it out. They might even write an outline of all of the characters and all of the scenes in advance. And then when it comes time to write, they fill it in every day. Okay, I'm going to write chapter one today. Okay, Mary and Bob went up the hill and they saw Jack and Jill and one tumbled and then the horse got out of the barn and then the car broke down and that was chapter one. And then they go to the chapter two where the car got started again and Jack and Jill went back up the hill and Joe came along and he had coffee in his hand and that was the end of... So they know what they're... I keep hitting my mic. They know what they're going to do. The pantser, Lucy, sits down and says... <laughs> I think I'll write for six hours today. Okay, I'm seeing a vision of Joe came down the hill and there was somebody with a cup of coffee and there was a pail. Let's see where that goes. And they just, by the seat of their pants. Matt, do you know if, if how your painters, how your artists in your gallery, you have any idea of their method? I'm, I'm assuming some of them might be one versus the other. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I think so. I think it's a blend. I think... Um, you know, there's uh, painters like Lucy who say, you know, you just you just got to get on the canvas and what you have in your mind may not be what ends up on the canvas and you kind of have a flow. Um, and uh, I've never really asked Lucy what time of day she paints, but I know one of our artists <laughs> doesn't even start painting until kind of like midnight. And so, you know, those are different, different times of, uh, yes. of day that maybe help creativity um, you know, you maybe need a certain level of fatigue to get uh, your, your brain going, a uh, certain level of stress. Um, but I would say uh, some artists will just sit down and, and sketch on a, on a canvas uh, and work on it, work on it. Uh, some are more fluent and would just apply the paint and see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the beauty of it. I, I think there's no, you know, right or wrong way have fun, be creative, because when someone's in a gallery or, or looking for mm -hmm. a special piece of art for their significant other, and they see a bright, happy painting, they know the artist is, a, you know, is happy and engaged. And, and it's, it really does affect uh, myself in the retail business. When, when an artist is happy, everybody's happy. So it, it's, I like it's that. I like that. Very, very interesting. I do some of my most interesting painting to me, since I, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not gallery level, and probably never will be. Uh, I do some of my most interesting painting, Matt, at around midnight when I've either fallen asleep watching a couple of TV shows or, or I don't have any an early radio show to do the next morning. And I'll just say, oh, okay, do I take a right turn and go into the master bedroom area? Or do I take from the couch, do I walk six feet over to my stool at the kitchen counter where the easel is where I just put up a new canvas and and I have the little bottles of water and the brushes are clean do I start and I have a ruler in sharpies do I outline a painting or do I just start and sometimes I just find myself sitting down and no tv no radio just sitting down on that stool and just staring at the canvas and saying okay and I just let it take me somewhere 
Yeah, and you have I've to been, express yourself. Abs- and I've been known to paint till two o'clock in the morning. Yep. It, it just it just happens. It just flows. It just tells me this is what I want you to do. I don't usually plan. Sometimes I'll do outlines. Lucy knows I like to do things that are, have structures. The city never sleeps. And I'll draw lines for where I want buildings to be. And then I'll paint them with different colors. And, and that would be a structure. And But I don't know what colors I'm going to do. And I don't know what's happening inside those buildings. But I find that interesting. So mentioned now, you mentioned something earlier, Matt. You mentioned about when does the artist know when to end, and you said mm-hmm. it's when the problem is solved. Correct. And I'm going to per- take a permutation of that or, or a metaphor for that. You and I are both in tech. I was a woman programmer back in the 1970s. I didn't say that. <laughs> and when when I was coding in COBOL um, on a, let's see, I was coding on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 in Eugene, Oregon for a, a college and doing a statewide information system, and we were key punching. And you can look up in your history books when yep. people actually, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, green bar paper, Ebsidic, uh, yes, yes. It and works. Yeah, I, I was part of that era. And I always approached a program, Lucy, I think you'll get a kick out of this, I know Matt will, a program as, okay, I was told by a consultant they need to have this many fields in this report, and this is the population we're going to be pulling in the data from, from which we're pulling in the population data, and get there. And I would sit down and look at this blank piece of paper and I would start writing my code. And then, of course, I would key punch it. But the point was, I looked at it as tabula rasa, Matt, where it was, I have the problem or the challenge. How do I get there? Mm -hmm. And I was done when the report came out with all the fields the requester had asked for. And it's not quite as cut and dried with a painting, is it, Lucy? It's not like, oh, I think they really wanted me to do three circles on the lower right side and I want a little sun and moon on the left and I think I'll do three pulleys. I I know the types of things you sometimes do. You don't know. It's a different sense. But Matt, that sense of when is the problem solved? So when you said that, Matt, it reminded me of how do I solve the problem? And that's why I believe there's an art to being a programmer. And the Mm -hmm. art was you, Matt, I, Lucy, if she was coding, we would all get there a different way with the syntax, with the language, with whatever we had to do, but we would all have slightly different ways of getting there. And that's how a painting, Lucy, for somebody's 70th birthday could be different from a dozen different artists, right? I hope I'm not taking this too far afield, but Matt, you just triggered that thought in me that I always said, how am I going to get there? I have a problem to solve. So thank you for that. We've got five minutes left. Um, Matt, anything you want to say about, I have a little little a pop quiz for both of you at the end. Nothing about what we, we said, just something interesting. <laughs> Matt, anything else you want to say about creativity and from the perspective of a, an art dealer? Um, well, there's... A lot of creative people out there who need uh, probably need a little bit of the support right now. Um, a lot of people are working in isolation, and uh, for us, some of our artists aren't getting the uh, the love that they normally would receive by people um, mm. coming into view their artwork in galleries, even public or, or private galleries. So, if you're you're able to support the arts, that would be fantastic, because this uh, industry that we're in, Lucy and Iron. Um, it is an industry and there is, um, there's a lot of things involved in it. If it becomes to the, the canvas stretcher that gets Lucy's uh, canvases ready or the paint supplier or the, the, the frame shop, the delivery guys, you know, there's, there is an economy within um, the, mm-hmm. the fine arts. And um, I know some people are doing well at this time, but if you've got a local art gallery in your neighborhood that, you know, you haven't been into or, or you're not able to get into, 
maybe give them a call, see if they've got some a new interesting artist who's very creative and maybe has a new perspective on what things are uh, are doing. You know, give them a call, give them some support um, because we need creativity in this kind of, uh, it's kind of a depressing time. So It's um, been a tough year. Matt, what's the yeah. website for your gallery? Why don't you give yes. that to us? Our okay. website is westendgalleryltd.com. So that's W-E-S-T for West, E-N-D for End, Gallery, G-A-L-L-E-R-Y, L-T-D as in limited, dot com. West End Gallery, L-T-D dot com. Lucy, quickly, uh, go ahead. What's your final thought on creativity? We might not have time for the pop quiz, but that's okay. And what's your website where you want people to go, Lucy? Uh, you can find me actually in Matt's gallery. So this works out really, really well. <laughs> And uh, on creativity, I think for those of us lucky enough to be creative or those of us who've been thinking about being creative, it can be very (laughs) healing, very, very healing during difficult times. I find it almost meditative in the sense that I lose myself in my work in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's uh, if you have those passions from writing Uh, to music just allow yourself create the time for your soul right now to heal with that I think it would be just a wonderful thing to do for yourself thank you and you want to give your website to Lucy Uh, my website is www.marlostudios.com which is m-a-r-l-o-s-t-u-d-i-o-s.com marlostudios.com MarloStudios.com, M-A-R-L-O-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. And Matt's is WestEndGalleryLTD.com. And quickly, Matt, if you had to leave your house, uh, and of course you would take your keys and your cell phone, you had to leave your house in 10 minutes, and I gave you a box that was uh, a foot by a foot by a foot, 12 by 12 by 12 inches. What would be in that box? Quickly, Matt? Oh, family photos. Oh, beautiful. Lucy, what would be in the box if I gave it to you? I, I, know, I would take my lipstick, my phone, and my keys, of course. But what would you take, Lucy? I would, give the, I would take the couple of things that on my desk that were given to me by my stepkids, my nephew, and my little brother many moons ago. Very, very nice. And I would also fit in one of my iMac 27s with my backup drive and my my big iPad. And that's what I, and a lot of red lipstick. And that would be it. You know, putting <laughs> with a hairdresser, got to keep the hair red. Lucy Marlowe, I can't thank you enough. You're always such a wonderful guest. So genuine, so real, so beautiful, so talented. And thank you for sharing your life with me and with my listeners. And thank you for introducing me to Matt. Matt, I'm going to get you back on sometime. You are delightful. You are savvy. You are so smart and articulate. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate the first Monday in December than with the two of you. So thank you. And again, Josh Randell. Thank you, Josh. He's been keeping me honest on the time. We have one minute left. So let's just say Hanukkah starts this week. I'm going to say to all of my people, happy Hanukkah. May you have good potato latkes, whether it's with sour cream or applesauce or savory or sweet and enjoy the eight nights. I remember my family doing gifts for me and my sister every night of the eight nights, just little things. Every night we had something and I have very fond memories and I'm not going to cry right now. And for those of you getting ready for Christmas, be safe. Wherever you go, whether you buy online and Prime Days are right now. So find all kinds of little inexpensive things on Amazon Prime. I just did today. So there you go. Matthew Dunn, Lucy Marlowe, wave goodbye. Radio Red signing off. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, and stay sane. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.